Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hello, I'm so glad that you're here joining us today. I just want to give you a quick reminder that the Finding Harmony Inner Circle membership The enrollment will be closing on January 31st. Inside, you're going to get special uh, members-only podcast episodes. They're a little bit shorter, about 20 minutes each, uh, with our guests, uh, special insider knowledge. So I hope that you sign up, even if it's just to be a part of our inside podcast. There's also a weekly Mysore class, as well as a monthly conference and yoga sutra study. We'll be diving into the yoga philosophy in chapter two of the Patanjali Yoga Sutras, as well as a monthly pranayama and chanting class and special videos, workshops, and other meditations, mantras, and different um, pre-recorded material inside the membership portal itself. You can join for only $25 a month or $225 a year. So enrollment closes January 31st. I would love for you to sign up and become a member today. Head on over to harmonyslater-programs.com to join. And today, I can't wait for you to meet our wonderful guest, a dear friend of mine. Um, We met in Mysore many years back. His name is Stan Woodman. He's an authorized level two teacher of Ashtanga Yoga, and he teaches in Connecticut. He was Barrel Bender Birch's apprentice in his early years. He spent many hours in Mysore working with the Odinati Seva Trust, as well as Operation Shanti, uh, two really incredible charity organizations helping the local children and people in Mysore to stop uh, trafficking of children. And he also has a lot of... Um, experience working with children with special needs through the Sunrise Program at the Autism Treatment Center of America. Stan has a unique story to share with us about his growth and coming to yoga and continuing to practice and teach yoga over 20 years. He is a wonderful example of a human being, a father of three children, and somebody who truly uh, lives all eight limbs. So I want you to listen closely to this beautiful interview with Stan Woodman, who's not just using yoga as a method of physical fitness, but is integrating the practices of yoga to become a more loving and compassionate human being and really living all of the principles of yoga in his life as he works with other practitioners, but also devotes much of his time to serving on the boards of different charity organizations. So without further ado, here's Stan. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. Thanks for joining today. I'm so excited that you're here because I'm joined by Russell Case. Hi, um, Harmony. You know that the chairman, chairwoman of our uh, Finding Harmony podcast, Valerie Swift, (laughs) she wrote in uh, a follow-up question Uh to our previous question. She wanted to know, um, was the open marriage working? 
<laughs> no. No, it wasn't working for you. <laughs> oh, Stan Woodman. Hi, Stan. Hey, How are you doing? Stan. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Hey. It's so nice to have you joining us here today. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. I'm excited. It's always fun to catch up with you guys. You know, uh, uh, Valerie, I made Harmony um, uh, uh, merchandise for Christmas that she could sell and, and give out on the show. And I think you said it was like one of the lamest, most disappointing Christmases ever. Is that what you said? <laughs> those, were, those were my exact words. It was but... something. You said you got soap and you got some merchandise and some jeans that don't fit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm I'm gonna send I'm gonna send Valerie some merchandise so that she can wear it and you know because she's the fan club. Yes. Well, yeah. that's good. I might send Martha from Florida some merchandise as well. <laughs> All our other listeners who don't get mentioned constantly are going to be <laughs> jealous that you keep. Well, there's on, there's thousands of them and 300 of them are Swedish and they don't even like understand. Do they understand the program? They get it. Yeah, mm. sure. I think it's Speak- called mer- merch. Merch. Yeah. That's right. I'm Jediah was I'm very sure excited about it. He's like, Mom, you got to get merch for your YouTube channel and your podcast. That's right. That's right. Is, like is it merch in Swedish? Is that what you mean? Steve? No, it's merch everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, you know, got to be cool. Well, for those Swedish listeners, I know Valerie <laughs> and Martha know you, but for the Swedish listeners, I just want to do a, a quick introduction. Uh, Level two authorized Ashtanga yoga teacher for the Sharat Yoga Center in Mysuru, India, Stan Woodman. First wow. met Shri K. Patabi Joyce in New York City. <laughs> Eventually traveled to the source of Ashtanga in 2003. Stan has served on the board of directors for several nonprofits, including Odinadi and the Give Back Yoga Foundation for empowering individuals with the gift of yoga. And I think we're also going to talk about the Sunrise program at the Autism Treatment Center of America. Is that right? Yeah. My favorite okay. place. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Why not? I, stand, um, I, th- I think we made our first trip together in 2003. Were we there at the same time? I think we figured out it was sometime within weeks, I think. Uh-huh. The mid early November. Okay. Yeah, because you were there. I think you were between. You were in a, like a Russell Harmony sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Not the only time he's done that, <laughs> by the way. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> Russell was there earlier in 2003, and then you were there at the end of 2003, and then I was there at the beginning of 2004. Sweet. Which we have some fantastic <laughs> vegan ham upstairs. Oh that my we god! We also should involve in our lovemaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Vegan ham. We found an excellent vegan ham place. <laughs> I mean, they serve all kinds of different vegan meats, but the ham is particularly delicious. <laughs> oh my god! Especially when you use oh it god. as like a, a, a what do they call it? A nipple? Uh... I don't know what you do in your spare time. No, the dancers <laughs> yeah. they put the what are those no. nipple stand? What are those nipple fans. things oh, that, no, they, the that the dancers use? The tassels. 
tassels? The, yeah, they do you use use the vegan ham as a nipple tassel. I don't. Pasties. I don't know what you're doing in your I spare thought that's time. what you referred to. You were referring <laughs> to I that. think they're called pasties. pasties. Pasties, of course Stan knows what a pasty is. <laughs> Good job. Of course you do. Oh god! Oh my goodness! I wouldn't Tom, have any idea. Tom Waits, man. Ah, uh, yes. Good one. Yeah, that's Good a old great. Tom Waits. That's a great album. What is the name of that album? I see her with the pasties on the on the front cover. Pasties in <laughs> a G string, right? That's right, Tom Waits. Yeah, Tom Waits. Uh, oh, Stan. Well, that's brewery. Oh, what? keep going. <clears throat> no, I'm not. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Did you, um, speaking of Tom Waits, did you intentionally go to Mysore to receive electroshock therapy? Was that, that was intentional, yeah. right? Yeah, so, yep. I signed up for it. It was this ad that popped up on Instagram. <laughs> Next thing you know, I had a first class ticket to being shocked. <laughs> wow. You, you were shocked there three times? Um... Or four. just twice, or was it four? I was oh, shocked, been shocked twice. twice. I've been shocked four times. Four times total by lightning. Yeah, first time I was little, I was uh, picking up a cord that was the heat lamp to little chickens in a cage. Oh. The, the cord was sitting in water. Oh. And I was standing in water. Yeah, smart kid. Right? Dangerous. <laughs> Picked that thing up and um, got shot pretty good. Um, saved by a good friend of mine. Oh, my gosh. Her name is Darshana. So. Incredible. Yep. Darshana. Good. I know. Uh, Darshana. Did she just kick you off the wire? What'd she, how'd she do? She actually hit me with a broomstick. Oh. Uh, yeah. And, oh, you and, like, were on there a good long time. Yeah, it hit me and knocked me like out of. I mean, she yeah, she hit me with a broomstick. I don't know why I like wow. celebrate her saving my life. She beat me. <laughs> no, she's yeah, still she a really beat good you with a broomstick. Mine, yeah, I was probably eight. Wow, like forty years ago. And then yeah. I was shocked uh, in India in a shower. <laughs> oh my of god! All, of all places, yeah. Again, water. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Again, water. Yeah. And then the third time, well, I'm moving up now. The third time was a dryer. So I was trying to dry myself off. The fourth time was a fridge. Back in India. <laughs> that was the yeah, fourth time. That, that was one. the last time oh that gosh. was in India. That was probably the most intense one. Yeah. Were you holding your child at the time? Um, no, but we were just there for. You know, it was our first day. We got there the night before, registered with Shiraz that morning. We just at the house uh, making a cleaning list. And, yeah, he wouldn't let me put him down for most of the day. I just set him down and got shocked, yeah. How old was he? Uh, 22 months. Oh, my oh gosh. I thought 22 yeah. years old. Like, no. that's a long time to hold your child. <laughs> 22 <laughs> yeah. months. Holding my 22-year-old. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> yeah, 22 months. Uh, Caroline, my older daughter, was there with us. Mm-hmm. She was, like, 25. Wow. Yeah. Something like that, 24. And so you went to – you put your child down and you went to the fridge and the fridge electrocuted you? Yeah, there was a ungrounded 240-volt line hooked to the fridge that was just completely made the fridge lit. Like you touch any 
part of that frame it was gonna shock you oh, it's funny well, not really funny but after i got shocked and you know the landlord had somebody come over and like he fixes it and he says oh it's fixed he's like touch it and i'm like no you touch it <laughs> you touch one, one of one of his workers touched it and it wasn't fixed and he oh, got shocked oh yeah and then like and then like a couple of the guys carried him out Oh no! Holy I know. shit! I said, they're like, yeah, you touch it. <laughs> and it, it would have killed you. It was right about that time that you thought, you know what? I'm not going to stay here anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god! Did it really like blow you across the room, or did it just knock you down? Or uh, no, it, it threw me a good eight feet into a concrete wall. Oh my gosh! Shit. I can't imagine if the child was in your arm. Can you imagine? Yeah, he would. He probably wouldn't have survived that sh- kind of shock. Yeah, it was wow. pretty intense. The the, the lights and the enti- all the entire house flickered. All the lights flickered, and there was like a really loud like like sound. Yeah, my daughter was in the other room, Silas, and they she heard it. Like we we all heard it. It was yeah yeah yeah. Just a little burn on my arm, and I had. I had some like heart palpitations for about six months. It all went away. Wow. What is it? What is it about you that you need to be electrocuted so often? <laughs> what What's the energy there? Maybe it's like lightning, right? Don't they say that if you get struck by lightning <clears throat> once, you're more likely to get struck yeah. by it again? Yeah, it's true. It's same. It's same with electric shock. Yeah. Um, gosh, I'm not. I'm not too sure about that. I think. Because huh. I, I, uh, I would think it's like a dosha thing. It's balance. <laughs> it's either balancing or it's an imbalance that needs to be balanced. It's like yeah. excessive vata. Something. Yeah. Maybe it's just your mag- your magnetic personality. <laughs> oh, stop with those. <laughs> the electric bats. personality that you are, Stan. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Harmony. <laughs> like attracts <laughs> like. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not too sure, but they were all. You know, none of it was really that fun. No, I wouldn't think so. You had heart palpitations for six months? I did, yeah. They were really severe the first couple days when I stayed in India during that time. And then uh, one of the doctors that was coming to the house to look at me said I'd be okay to fly. And my doctor in Connecticut said, yeah, get on a plane, come back. So we jumped ship. Mm-hmm. my store and went right back and yeah. spent you know a day in observation in a local hospital and then um we'll call it the four seasons of Greenwich <laughs> <laughs> wow uh yes yeah, I, I spent you know 12, 24 hours in their hospital in Greenwich and then uh yeah then it was they, you know they weren't too concerned it just Continually had these little flutters that would happen, but they were they were pretty quick. Anyways, yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. Started, I started yoga like completely over. Oh really? I just, oh yeah, I just like basically got on my mat and like taught myself like I didn't know anything and just did sun citations and kind of oh. kept adding and adding until I had the strength to do more. Right, because so you didn't so have to, like the stamina to do a lot. Yeah, I didn't have the stamina and my, you know, my heart rate would change like, you know, when, when it starts beating really fast, it's, oh. hard, it's harder to breathe too. You're like, right. you know, you feel winded all of a sudden. 
Um, yeah. So, so it was interesting just trying to like, well, not really trying, but using the practice as, as a means to kind of get my heart back mm-hmm. in rhythm and wow. my, with, with c- controlling of my breath, really. Yeah. And taking so, the time too, like I really took the time, you know, six months to just really, I, and six months didn't bring me back to my full practice, but it, it definitely brought me well into primary again and just felt a lot better. Wow. So when you got on the mat the first time, were you thinking that everything was going to be fine? And you were, were you just like, oh, no, I'm going to do my practice no. today. You could tell that things were bad. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I was just winded, like, you know, because I was back home, I was back into teaching, I was back into my life, I had kids, and, you know, like, so I, I had to, um, uh, you know, just had to deal with all of that, and so I could tell that I was winded and just didn't have the same type of stamina or endurance to, you know, so I just, I didn't want to do any more than the five fun meditations I did when I started, it was like, all right, mm-hmm. well, it down you know right yeah and then i just kind of just use my daily energy and time to build that all back it didn't take too long where were you and if this is a kind of a classic um gokulam chai stall question but where were you in your practice at that time um in when i got electrocuted yeah um, just starting third series. Uh-huh. Wow. And did you have, um, did you have an ambition for the practice? Can you, can you say what that, what that was? Like, why were you there in Mysore? Did you have a, an, a plan and, and a place that you aspired to get to? Um, I mean, I think it changed throughout the years of going you know but going back to my first trip like i i really um was intrigued with the idea of traveling and out of this country and into a third world country for an extended period of time you know besides mexico <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and and um uh, obviously the practice was the whole reason i was going I was, I was drawn to knowing more of what the experience was like for some of the teachers that I'd studied with and, and people I'd met and books that I was reading. And, mm-hmm. um, I had my limited experience in New York city with the Joyce family, um, which was basically just led classes and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I couldn't wait to get over there and to get away from here and, uh, to practice, in the Shala, you know, I know it wasn't the old Shala, but it was, or maybe it's the old one now. It's the new old one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really, it was a treat. It was, it was, yeah. it was a big blessing in my life at that time, for sure. And you were, it was just before you had your second daughter, right? She wasn't born quite yet. I yeah, think. she wasn't born yet. Yep. She and was so, born in 2007. Okay, so you were uh, able to make a couple of trips before she was born. Two trips, yeah. Yeah. And then after she was born, you still made a couple of trips. Um, yeah, I waited a few years. Um, I, didn't, I didn't really want to leave her, and I didn't want to bring her. Yeah. Um, so I waited a few years, and then I, I made 
five or six more trips. Yeah, yeah, wow. But I think your I, your first couple trips were they a little bit longer, or was there any? Yeah, it's a lot easier to go there. I mean, yeah, you, you, you figured it out, but I think it's a lot easier to go there and uh, spend three months when you don't have children and exactly. Um, it's also changed with the whole registration thing, you know? Yes. Like, big time. And with work. And I was, you know, I, sh- yeah. I had kids here and uh, obligations I needed to come back to too. So yeah, two months was like probably the longest. Well, yeah. It was, uh, you know, three months for the first couple of trips. And then. Yeah, no, it's hard, especially with two. your kids at home. I think it's hard to go for longer than a month. Yeah, yeah. And we had the studios and it was just, there was a lot going on. So, yeah. Um, but it, it was definitely something I wanted to keep doing and I'm so glad I did. Yeah. Um, but- well, it's so interesting to, to to think about a person's motivation for why they why they do the things in their life and what that really comes down to. And you know, I'd certainly I had a I had a mission. You know, I was gonna I wanted to finish third and and get certified and and teach and be guy. You know, and be uh, Eddie. That's where I, that's where I thought I was gonna be. You know, life had completely different plans for me. But I'm I, I wonder if there was something like that going on for you. But it sounds like you 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 wanted to get deeper into an experience or, or or were you also just trying to find some space in your life to to get away and get deeper yeah you know, i think it's a little of all of it there's definitely a part of travel it's just to get away and to be somewhere new and out of your normal everyday life and sometimes that's for a break and there was definitely breaks needed other times it was for the adventure of it, you know, just to go mm-hmm. and do things. And, um, you know, like, like you mentioned, Odinati and you know, Operation Shanti, and they were always a big part of my trips and my time there. And um, so that became very motivational. So I want to get back and see some new kids and um, help and do what I, you know, whatever I could. Um, yeah. And, you know, definitely wanted to, you know, under shots, we guide, you know, guidance, especially as I started going back, be led through and complete second series and, and be taught third. I mean, I'd love to go back and learn more about something, but, um, yeah. Yeah. So there was, there was a lot, a lot in there. It was mm-hmm. Awesome. Good yeah. Time. You meant, you mentioned <clears throat> like operation Shanti and Odinati and, um, it's so interesting how these, uh, you know, whether it's relationships with a few of the local Indian people, whether it's sort of your housekeeper, or, you know, for for us, we always had a really strong relationship with the, especially after Jedi was born with the nanny that we would yeah. have come to yeah. our house every day um, to watch him. But how these these relationships with, with the people who live there really um, become very important and keep kind of pulling you back and you think about them even when you're not there and you know you kind of try and keep in touch or every time you go back you see them you visit it's a it's a kind of a gift to be able to go somewhere and keep returning and and you know be included in the fabric of their day-to-day culture a little bit yeah yeah it's definitely really beautiful part of going 
I'm not sure there's really a, another example of that in, um, in people's lives. I mean, it, it, you could go back to uh, college, you could, um, you know, go back and, um, uh, where else could you have a place where you could go back to the Hamptons <laughs> yeah. every summer and party, <laughs> but it's not quite the same as going back and visiting a community because you, you love their spiritual, uh, their spiritual center and their identity. And you're going to spend time there working on that. And they're very happy that, um, you know, you patronize them. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, going to oh, their like shops. Give, give them patronage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You go to their shops, you go to their restaurants, you go to their you go to their homes, yeah. uh, use yeah, their services yeah. for, for driving. Yeah. I can't think of any other parallel in in life where that where that uh I guess maybe it was like if you had sort of a vacation home like somewhere in a small town, yeah. somewhere Caribbean else. island, or yeah. Right. All the time, yeah. Maybe you'd have that kind of or the when you go back, or the Winter Palace <clears throat> for the Romanovs. They'd go <laughs> to Saint Petersburg and they would patronize the area. Yeah. Did you ever feel that way? That you, like there was a kind of weird specialness to being to being there in Gokulam, to kind of you know being glamorous and driving around in your in your um, Two, what do they call those two things? Those uh, two wheelers. Two wheelers, a scooter. The scooter. You drive around your scooter. <laughs> you know your scarf is flowing back behind you. Winds in your hair, and it's like, it's. There is no way we were going to experience that, you know, back home. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, no. But I saw you. I saw you on a scooter with that like ABBA playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Going right. right down <laughs> yeah. Oklahoma Central, waving at <laughs> yeah. the priest, standing outside with uh, right. Yeah, I always had the I always had the <laughs> take a chance on me playing <laughs> in my in my boombox on my scooter to make sure people got the point. It's so yeah. interesting, though. You do bring up sort of an interesting point there that you know you could be really not wealthy. Quite really poor. not wealthy. <laughs> Quite poor in certain <laughs> extraordinarily poor. Yeah, a certain way at home, and yet go to India and live in Mysore and do yoga and feel like yeah, a millionaire. Definitely. Oh yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, not just but like the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Yeah, really. you don't yeah. have to work. You can just live off your savings. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it also lends, you know, I think on the other side in the yoga and, and, and being a part of, like we were talking about people's lives there, like right. it definitely mm-hmm. lended towards feeling grateful and wanting to make a difference because, you know, quite honestly, a lot of people are suffering there. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and even if they're not mentally in their own suffering, but they, there is some suffering going on there which was also part of the beauty of it. You know, one of the first, I, I took a walk once uh, when I first got there. It was in the first few days, my first trip. And I remember walking along this like road where there was this big wall. And on the other side of the wall, it was definitely like money, the house, the like hillside, the, the mm-hmm. everything manicured. But um, on the other side of it, and I thought, you know, probably the servants, but they were like, you know, tent houses, you know, the right. little slum that was built along the outside of this wall. And 
um, I was just walking along taking pictures and, you know, and, and here's this family because a, a little boy, you know, caught, I caught eyes with a little kid and we started playing or whatever. And the mom's like inviting me in, wanting to give me chai and food. Oh, wow. And, you know, obviously I, I wasn't going to eat the food, but I, I did have a little chai. It was good. Um, you know, who had nothing, but they, and yeah. they were just, their eyes were so bright, um, yeah. in, in spirit and like in gratefulness. And they were, they just, they were just like offering, you know, it was just bizarre to like be invited into their little tent to like, you know, so yeah, it, incredible. Yeah. So just wanted to, you know, is that one of the things that motivated you to get involved with like some of these charity organizations like Odinati or the Shanti? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think obviously I, I have a, a uh, most people that know me, like I'm drawn towards like being involved some way with children and, and knowing that we could make a difference, you know, it's like I didn't have a lot of money to make a difference myself, but I had resources to be able to raise money, you know, so right. I would do little kickstarters before i went to india and it wasn't to pay for my trip but i literally would just take that income and go there and donate it to the different organizations that i raised the money for um and you know so yeah that was definitely part of the motivation was just wanting to help relieve some of the suffering and we're sitting there we're in india for three months two months one month whatever it's like I'm not there to be a tourist. Right. <laughs> Especially in my story. There's some other things I'd probably go do if I wanted to be a tourist in India. But, uh, <laughs> Did, didn't you, you do know, that? So it's just like nice to get, to be able to go out and get involved and meet people and, you know, go and negotiate someone's college tuition, you know? Um, and, yeah. Because you can do that in India. Totally. <laughs> Straight no. up. Break it's incredible. Wow. You go to the registrar's office. Yeah. Yeah. So and doing you stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. And go, you know, going to, just helping with different connections through Operation Shanti and hospitals and yeah, people that other because there's other people that needed help that some of those organizations work for work with. You know. Mm-hmm. Didn't you you do that once you you went out and and got a um a donation of a bunch of like kick shoes for skateboarding kids? Oh something yeah. Like that? Yeah, I um. That was an interesting lesson, actually. Uh, I first trip too went skateboard. I brought my skateboard first couple times, and um, I went out skateboarding with a bunch of kids in the neighborhood. The, you know, one of the first week out in the afternoon, and uh, the next day I was like, "Yeah, bring some shoes tomorrow." And like the, my friend that I was with, like, kind of socked me in the arm when we walked away. He's like, "Dude, they don't have any shoes," and I was like, "Oh, you know." So I had a friend who was able to get me a bunch of like DC shoes, skateboard right. shoes, like 30 pairs shipped wow. FedEx over to my store. Yeah. And we gave wow. them all away. And then like the next day went out skateboarding to go and like play with the kids and skateboard in the neighborhood. They, uh, nobody had shoes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You know, the shoes were worth more money to the family who needed food, yeah. you know, or, or toilet paper or whatever it was that they needed. You know, like it was just the necessity wasn't shoes. Yeah. Wow. So, and so in, nobody, in some ways, none of the kids kind of had shoes. 
Yeah, yeah. none of them had shoes. Either their brothers took them or their parents took them to sell them. Right. Know. Yeah. I mean, we used to even like, you know, through like the Mysore Foundation and <clears throat> Operation Shanti and working with some of the local slums to try to put together like um, care packages to give to the families, you know, like bar soap and a bag mm-hmm. of detergent. Like you had to actually take the soap out of the bag and the wrapper and give it to them like in a plastic bag, like right. because they would sell it. Oh. You know, it's not even necessarily yeah. them that would sell it. Like some of the situations, somebody would come and collect it to go sell it. Or, like an know, organized crime. Yeah. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, a little more slum, slum lordy like kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Weird, weird stuff. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's hard to like give things to people, you know, <clears throat> better to take, you know, it's like, it's a lot easier to like go and do something yourself and, you know, sort of giving somebody money to pay for their college tuition, like, they'll yeah. actually pay for their college tuition. Yeah, right. we did or that go to with the our and give the hospital money for the yeah. care for Exactly. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, we did that a, f- a few times with our our babysitter's sons. We would <clears throat> instead of, you know, as as a sort of bonus or a gift or, you know, whatever, we just wanted to support her kids and and so yeah. we would do that, but it was we would go to the school ourselves yeah. Yeah, to, to pay the school for the tuition, mm-hmm. not because you know, not because she wasn't trustworthy or you know, but it's just the temptation is so um, heavy to use the money for something else, or they're in debt to. Um, a slumlord. Yeah, to yeah, or um, the people, the loan sharks. You know, they don't yeah. have enough money, so then they borrow money, and then these loan <clears throat> sharks charge them high interest and like take the money back. So once they get a little bit of money, that always goes to paying off the debts. You know. Yeah. So it's really it's such a tricky situation. Yeah. It's, so it's it's also interesting to think about our own place there and in this kind of um uh you know post-colonial world um you know what is our what is our position there in india you know we're coming in and you know we're uh there ostensibly to learn yoga and then bring yoga back home which is a kind of appropriation at the same time you know we're giving um we're we're giving vast sums of our own wealth that we make back home and giving it back to, um, and infusing that capital into the local economy. But mostly infusing it into somebody who already has a lot of money's pockets. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's interesting when you start getting involved in, at an institutional level in, in support and, and helping that way, which is I think something both of you have been have been doing, you know, all along. Whether you know whether it's the Yoga Gives Back or the Odanandi organization, did did it, did you ever think about your your place there in Mysore as as you were doing that? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's also our just kind of place in the world, right? Like, I mean, every kid deserves food and safety and warmth and Mm-hmm. Um, and, and more than that, like one of the things I really loved about Odinati was they were 
rescuing these children from brothels and slavery and um, prostitution, you know, it's like that they were, they were rehabilitating them through understanding what a a real loving relationship is Mm -hmm. and like what a real friend is and like building those relationships. And um, because that was ultimately what was going to help the healing process inside of them, you know? So yeah, it's just, we're there. It was easy to like make a difference on a, on a bigger level than maybe at home, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause, cause you know, like you said, money, money goes a lot further there, at least our economy money is yeah. brought there. Um, yeah, no, it's good. Met some really wonderful people and there were other students involved always, you know? I was introduced to all of this through different people. So it's nice. It's interesting. I, I remember um, my first trip, I had been homeless for the year prior and uh, I'd had a job, but I'd, I had stored some bedding in a, um, a closet at my university and uh, I'd found a way to kind of sneak it out at night and, and sleep on it. And then, uh, you know, still go to school in the morning. <laughs> And then I saved up all that rent money that I was spending, that I would have been spending in New York to go to India after I graduated. And so um, I think sometimes I, I struggled with this, um, this sense of place that, you know, they, we were so wealthy in India and had so much largesse and, 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 at the same time, I was very much aware of how brutally fucking poor I was back home. Hmm. And it's... I, I, yeah, it's an interesting juxtaposition, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's fascinating. Did, but, you, did you grow up... Um, uh, su- I, I, in my notes here, it says you grew up super wealthy in California. <laughs> you were... <laughs> Featured in Fitness Magazine, you were hanging out with Edward uh, Furlong. Um, is oh that God. is that all true? That's your parents were in no. the industry. You're a <laughs> child of a actor. No, no, none of that. <laughs> no, no, that's that, all no. made up. <laughs> yep, all made up. Yeah. What, yeah. what was it like for you? you? Did you struggle to get shoes as a kid in California to go skateboarding? <laughs> um, no, actually, no, no. I grew up in a lower middle class family, but mm-hmm. I had what I needed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent most of my days at the beach, so didn't need shoes. Nice. <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> but I did have, yeah. But I always, I always had a new pair of Vans or something, skateboard. Yeah. Or you know, my, yeah. My parents wow. did well at, you know teaching me work ethic because you know some of that some of that was even money that i made working you know um and you know through motivation and just encouraging me like to do the things i to do the things i wanted to do they were always good at supporting it Mm -hmm. what did they do for them uh my dad was a diesel mechanic for volkswagen nice and my mom ran a uh, flower shop. Wow. Oh, my dad's cool. a mechanic. He was in um, uh, Detroit. He and my uh, uncle had a, uh, a shop and restoration business. Yeah, parents. 
<laughs> you moved to Colorado when you were fairly young, though, didn't you? I was a senior. I was getting about to be a senior in high school. So yeah, I was okay. 14 um, from Southern California. Yeah. It was a big change. But it was yeah. A good one. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm really grateful my mom, my parents did that. I wasn't then. <laughs> but <laughs> I am now. You weren't then, but you are now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looking back at it all, I'm like, good move, mom. Good move. Why was it a good move? You know, I think there's something really special about growing up in a small town. You know, like in one stoplight. <laughs> yeah. My, my high school I was about to go into had like 4,000 kids in it. Yeah. But my high school in Colorado had like 350 kids in it. Wow. You know, so going from like a thousand plus graduating class to like 70 graduating class was a huge difference. And, uh, yeah. Um, do, do they accept you? that community of kids? Do they let you yeah, in? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was easy. It was a really easy transition. I made some really good friends. Just friends I'm still friends with now, you know? Um, oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, but I think, you know, you just, you don't get so lost by your whole society, you know, like you're, you're kind of known, you, you know, everybody, you know, your parents yeah. in, in, in some ways that might've been a challenge as a teenager, everybody knew you, but, uh, there was, um, there's something nice about it for education and friendships and it worked out. Hmm. It was a little it worked bit out for me anyways, what I, what I needed. Yeah. It was it, it was a little bit tough having a a single mom in a small town growing up because was everybody kind of wanted to know the sex life of my mom and were kind of very interested in, in what she was doing, <laughs> which was a little little unfortunate. But it's I yeah that, I think that, you were in really small towns too, weren't you? Like five hundred people, three hundred people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in the whole town. Yeah, in the whole town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's funny. <laughs> tiny tiny towns did you get into um some of the outdoor activities that you love and enjoy now when you were in colorado or had you always been into them um i was yeah i mean i was always i started snowboarding when i was 14 in call in health in colorado excuse me yeah um i've been skiing before you know big bear right. mountain california but um yeah. i'd always been outside you know skateboarding surfing riding on a motorcycle or bike, you know, there's always something that was outdoor related. Yeah. So Colorado fit in. I was, you know, obviously I brought my motorcycle and, um, that was a big part of my after school activities. Just my parents, <laughs> my parents lived 18 miles out of town. You know, so. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So you went from like Southern California and this big school and like, you know, checker box houses everywhere. And, uh, <laughs> you know, to be out in the middle of nowhere. I was definitely excited. There was a lot of rock climbing right on my property and having a motorcycle helped. And um, yeah. my sister was two years older than me. Um, and I don't know that I, you know, like had we stayed in, in California, I don't think my sister and I would be like nearly as close as we are now. Yeah. You know, yeah, we, for sure. we have a really great relationship and, and it didn't start really until I was 14. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, cause we were, we were like riding the bus. You know, I remember, I literally remember the first day of school. My sister's like, uh, want to go out to lunch? <laughs> I was Whoa, like, oh, yeah. Hi, my name's Stan. <laughs> I'm yeah. your brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm the one that you've pushed around for, no, no, she's, she's great. Yeah. But, yeah. So, you know, that, that was an interesting, another reason why, you know, if I look back, like what a, great thing to have come out of moving yeah and i'm pretty sure that would not have been the case had we stayed in california yeah did you have an idea then at 14 15 16 of what you were going to be and i i can't imagine that you thought you were going to be a a yoga teacher no 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 i never planned on teaching yoga that happened (laughs) i uh and i'm great i'm glad it did I, i really love it um Gosh, yeah, I was like, I was all into like something similar to what I do now, I guess, like being an entrepreneur, small mm-hmm. business, some type of some type of business related something, even an accountant. Mm-hmm. Like I just really good with numbers and math, and yeah, I didn't uh, nuclear engineer. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <And I> was, <laughs> that might have been a little more profitable than yoga teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you but, have a small business then that you were working on um no no not mm. no not really okay. you know i i but pretty much right out of high school like i spent summers teaching skateboarding camps and like that i ran through the local skateboard shop you know mm. um like six hours a day a morning camp and an afternoon camp mm-hmm. um, wow you know so i was like a fun way to like, I don't know. I I I sold a couple thousand hippie sticks. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah I have a whole those, picture man. now. I made so many of those. Oh my god! Did like the dead come through town, and you sold uh, you sold hippie sticks? The fish came through. I think it was more like a Renaissance. Oh, <laughs> Renaissance fair. Selling yeah. hippie sticks at the Renaissance Fair. That's a picture of Stan Woodman. Yeah, I yeah. didn't actually sell them there. I, I, I typically sold them to like toy shops in the area oh, where, they cool. would, where they would take like five and then when they'd sell, they'd take five more. And um, People ordering them for gifts for birthdays and word of mouth kind of stuff. Um, although <laughs> I, I did sell them a couple times at like some type of little festival things. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I made a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I could have been one of the kids that bought a hippie stick from you, (laughs) gone into my room and taken my acid. And, you know, I would, you know, I'd have my little meditation area and I'd trip out. And I could see how a hippie stick would have worked really well for me. Is that a kind of activity that uh, resonates with you? Is that the kind of thing that you, you could have been caught doing in your bedroom by your mom? Like I was. <laughs> Sometimes you talk going in the bedroom by myself. What? <laughs> um, uh, wait, wait, wait. Let me just make sure I got that right. Uh, yeah, I was yeah, caught I mean, you know, meditating, like I, not Matt. I, <laughs> I loved those types of activities that were, um, I mean, practicing asana, you know, like skateboarding by myself, um, mm. snowboarding through the trees, yeah, playing devil's hacky sack. You know, little things that just required all of my attention, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and the more 
focused and concentrated I could be at it in some ways, you know, we could say the better I was at it. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, I, I could clearly see some of the times, um, like I broke, I've broken my ankles a couple of times each, <laughs> mm, <laughs> Jesus. Um, mainly skateboarding. Um, but I, I can recall moments when I was doing a trick completely focused, really present with what was happening underneath my body. Cause my feet weren't on the board anymore. And being distracted ever so slightly and glancing away or something. And then my feet not setting back onto the board correctly mm. and, and the ankle rolling or, you oh. know, or, or cracking it. You know, it's like, yeah, I loved all those. I love all that stuff. I still do. Yeah. yeah. Moments of, of attention. Yeah. Like Christmas time. I like putting together toys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I said it's gonna take me like all right, I gotta do this, I'm gonna sit here, it's gonna take me thirty minutes, I just gotta like Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's my my artistic nature. It's, our our oh, kid just put them. together a, yeah. a a daily bugle Lego tower. Yeah. And took eight hours a day for three days. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, it's like sixteen bags. I don't even know how many pieces. It's huge. Just got into it. I was so proud of him to see him like really get into it. Yeah, I would say not even. It was really two days because he barely did any yesterday. He's already finished. Yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, it's he's is you how you're describing yourself reminds me of him a lot too. You know, he really likes to do things that are kind of solo activities and like focused on perfecting a skill. Yeah. Physical, Um, you know, physical that requires some level of concentration, but not necessarily like, like a team thing, you know, (laughs) sort of like, like you can keep increasing the level of difficulty and challenging yourself sort of in this way. That's very, unique to yourself rather than related to anyone else <laughs> yeah yeah i mean here we are now we're now we're back to talking about asana <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> there's um, sounds like something we've been doing for a while there's a yeah. great actually there's a great poem by sharon olds yeah. i think it's called the marathon runner yeah and it's her observing a man making love to her who has so focused on the activity that he's not engaged with her at all. <laughs> it's like just watching uh-huh. the solo runner, just watching that. It was a really, really beautiful poem, <laughs> and it reminded me that you That's you had a baby at that time, and I want I'm oh, just man. imagining you in that activity, solely focused on on that outcome. On baby, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that must have been a shocker, no? <laughs> <clears throat> Having a baby, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I was young. Mm-hmm. How old were you? Um, I was 18. So you were still in high school or you were just out? I was out of high school for almost a year. I, ju- I was just about to turn 19. And wow. what, what were you doing? Um... What was I doing? Uh, I took the year off after high school and went snowboarding every day. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. And would yes. work work nights. And then. What were you working and, as? Um, usually like 
a waiter yeah or the one night i always kept one night a week at the hot local hot springs oh nice work. i'd always do one shift there just to get a free pass to so yeah, yeah that's smart wow yeah i did that pretty much every year after i got out of high school that i lived in colorado wow. one shift yeah <laughs> <Wow. laughs> all you want <laughs> well i worked at a kitchen at the same age and i was like always so jealous of the waiters they, they seem to have everything going on for them the waiters <laughs> yeah man I'm just back here with the dishes. I'm doing, I'm doing apps. I'm like, but yeah, these waiters, man, these guys. Did all that, did all that too. Yeah. Oh. Kitchen stuff. Restaurants were an easy source of income in the winters in Colorado. Instructed snowboarding. And then suddenly your girlfriend tells you. Oh, yeah. That's good. But then suddenly your girlfriend tells you you're pregnant. She's pregnant. Yeah. I mean, it didn't really work out that way, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, it huh. was my high school sweetheart. Um, we were together from like the end of my freshman year straight through till graduation. Um, she and I broke up after high school. Mm-hmm. And then that summer, probably a month after we'd broken up, we were literally back together for like a day or two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we were broken up. And right. uh, three months later, um, <laughs> I'll just have to say it, but my, you know, I got a little smack across the face from my mom. <laughs> She's oh. like, you got something to tell me? I, I didn't <laughs> what? know, but my mom found out first. Unfortunately. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, I could see Harmony doing that easily. Walking into the store, and my mom's looking at me and just smack. You got wow. you need to tell me. Like I think she was actually, just more like I didn't tell her. You know, actually, no, mom. I don't have anything to tell you. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then, like, she told me. Like, I, 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 rem- I remember standing there in the produce hall. <laughs> For grocery oh store. God. Yeah, no. Um, so we, you know, we, we basically did it all as friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I know you guys know this, but not everybody knows uh, she was given up for adoption. Yeah. Um, okay. Which okay. was a really hard, hard decision to make. But I think, you know, it was for her best. And, um, an open adoption. So they have this like nice three year or five years of where you, you can go a couple of planned visits for the first couple of years um, at the adoption agency kind of thing. Everybody meets there, you know, security stuff. And then um, they pass along information. So God bless my mom who sent a birthday card and a Christmas card and Easter card, like every possible card and gifts on every holiday oh, straight through wow. the adoption agency to the family. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, she like wrote her address inside the scenes of books. And, <laughs> so they knew where we lived. And when she was 12, um, after about seven years of no contact, they just invited us completely into her life. And, you know, you've heard me mention, I was in India with my older daughter I and mean, that was her. So she's, been in my life since I was, she was 12 
Yeah. And she's twenty nine. Why, why did you now? have no wow. no contact? Well, adoption, you know, they it's that's kind of the way it is. You know, they do the open adoption is just for the first five years. Okay. And then after that, um, the only thing that w- would have happened after that is that, is that um, she would have been told when she was 14. Mm-hmm. But she grew up knowing the whole time, like her family is really amazing. You know, they, they, um, they told her the story of Stan and Susan, like her whole life. And yeah. so by the time she was 12, she'd already known who I was and where I grew up and, um, you know, why, That's, you know, I, and I did the story yeah. too. So, you know, they told us exactly what they yeah. told her. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. That's but so she's nice. Been a, she's been because a constant sense in my life, you know? Yeah. And she's, I mean, I, I met Caroline. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. 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 Wow. She's just like very well adjusted also and very like, sociable and happy and like very much a part of your family even though she didn't live with you full time but you could just tell that you know there was such a a connection and a love between you guys yeah she is a gem um yeah so so lucky that uh her family you know made one of the most i think i said this to you the most unselfish decisions mm. that anyone's ever made that involved me, you know, like they right. basically gave her up as being her, their child to like, in, to include her other parents and yeah. grandparents yeah, and siblings, you know? So, yeah. Um, so now she's got this really cool family, you know? Yeah. Had, and all these people that love her, that she's connected to, it's yeah. not just limited to like one type of family yeah yeah and she's been to Mysore twice and uh amazing she, wow. she yeah she actually arrived that morning i got my authorized level two wow she, and like, she literally, practices literally, there? like hugged her and said here's the apartment i gotta go and ran off to class <laughs> wow. and then i ran back afterwards going like oh you're my good luck charm wow. <laughs> That's so nice yeah. So nice. Yeah, you were there, Harmony. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. And she's like, it's so nice. She has like brothers, a brother and a sister now too, right? That she yeah, can... and, and she has two brothers on her mom's side. Oh, amazing. Mother's side, yeah. So she yeah. got a really big family. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's beautiful, especially like when you're kind of raised as an only child. It's so For nice sure. to have like siblings that, you know. I don't know. I just think of Jediah as an only child. <laughs> and like if he had a another brother that he could or sister or anyone that he could like think of as as his sibling, well, he would just his, be He's got his younger uncle. Yeah, it's not quite the same. <laughs> but it's just nice, you know, to feel like you have family and people yeah. that you're connected to in that sort of specially unique way, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things that was really important to her parents was that when they died, because they were an older couple, you know, and mm-hmm. they're still alive, they're, they're great. When they died, they, who was she going to have, you know? Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was really a, a, an act of love to invite us into her life. And they knew who we were, and they'd done yeah. a little bit of kind of research to know and 
trust it. They were sure. good people. And, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Aww. So it's been, it's been an incredible little journey. Yeah. Can't believe she'll be 30 next year. I oh. know. Wow. <laughs> Does she yeah. have a, a family of her own now? Is she working um, on something? She has a wonderful boyfriend and she lives in Colorado Springs. She's just working. Nice. Doing her Whoa. thing. Her, she grew up there. So yeah. Um, She's got all her, her friends and social networks. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's good. I just saw her recently, actually, in November. Cool. Mm. I, w- I wonder if you could also help us understand your own journey, because we have a picture of you now as a 19, 20 year old. And then, you know, years later, Caroline has introduced to you and you're, you're in India. Uh, how did you get from A to B? Um, let's see. Caroline was a huge spark in it all, you know, like her coming into this world and me feeling like I wasn't in the place that I'd always wanted to be. Like I grew up wanting to be a dad and, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm not pretty much since I was a little boy. Wow. And I, I, I knew then that like where the way my life was going, wasn't going to bring me towards that. Like it was, I was going the opposite way. I was, I was heading towards more suffering than right. less. And, uh, um, you know, I, I wallowed in it for a year or so. And, uh, as things kind of hit a climax for me, I, I took a yoga class. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, like a very gentle, um, Iyengar based kind of class. And, um, it was awesome. <laughs> I was so calm. <laughs> you know, I was a very hyperactive kid, you know, I was, you know probably classic ADD kind of. And I took <laughs> this yoga class and afterwards it was just like pretty calm and I felt more focused and I, you know, some back pain that I was having at the time felt a little bit of relief and I was like, well, oh, going to do more of this and I, so I kept doing that and that was like the that was the beginning of you know the journey to be here and be teaching and as a career or a lifestyle you know mm-hmm. um uh, and that that just progressed and progressed and then finally you know i took an ashtanga class um with beryl bender birch and her in, in colorado or i uh, no, in um New York. I moved to Long Island when I was 25. For what? Um, um, a change of life and a relationship, you know, that I was mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Um, I'd been coming onto the East Coast for quite a while before that. So um, coming out at that time was uh, purely just to make a change. My girlfriend was going back to get her master's degree. And uh, right. we, we moved to Amagansett, <clears throat> out near East Hampton, New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, Beryl and her husband at the time, Tom, passed Tom, away. Yeah, um, yeah. It, they lived out there, and you know, it was like a mile from where I lived. Oh, random. Wow. Um, Fortunate. Yeah, they, had, they, had a, yeah, <laughs> they did a weekend workshop at like a local studio, and um, I had started taking you know, vinyasa classes at that studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and the owner of the studio, Jessica, is like, you got to come take this workshop with Beryl. And so I just did one. I was working, so I just did one of the, like, morning three-hour classes. And it was full primary and, like, a discussion. And I was mesmerized. And not just by the practice, but, you know, Beryl was a genius. Like, it was awesome. It was so fun. And, yeah. So I just, yeah. I just, I was, I was like, I want more of that. <laughs> what was that? You know, like there was this moment I've been, I've been on the East coast for a few months and practicing and that kind you know, the flow of it and just the consistently sustained ability to concentrate through the practice was, yeah. to me was like riding through the trees on steep, powder and you know, snowboarding or something like nice. something that demanded my attention or I wasn't going to survive kind of thing. I just kept practicing and loved it. And dug in, kept I thought she was just incredibly sexy too. I'm not <laughs> sure I'd be doing Ashtanga yoga if she wasn't, if she didn't have that leotard. Hope she's listening. <laughs> I mean, she's just, <laughs> I when I met when I met her, yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's right. You guys know that. Uh, when I met her, I was so starstruck because I thought, oh man, I thought she was just so fine when I was in my when I was twenty twenty two. It was like I'd look at the Power Yoga book and I was like, oh my god, she's she's awesome looking. <laughs> <laughs> well, equally, equally as awesome as a teacher too, and you know, I definitely wouldn't be doing anything that I'm doing now if I hadn't met her. Yeah, mm-hmm. so she's such an iconic figure, I think, in the Ashtanga Yoga community, who isn't maybe given quite the dues that are owed to her because of you know past political. Uh, yeah, it's all scandals fun. or whatever, but I know. without things that no one remembers. Yeah, but yeah. without her, like Power Yoga book and Beyond Power Yoga, and then David Swenson. I mean, those three books were, that I think, it. foundational texts yeah, to learning Ashtanga Yoga. That's it. That's all you got. And maybe somebody like had 10 a feet away from me right now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe somebody had a Swami Vivekananda Raja Yoga. Yeah, but then, then you learn philosophy from right, Swami Vivekananda. Right, but then you've got but those three books are the ones you're actually reading. Yeah, for, about asana for yeah, sure. Like exactly. philosophy, you can kind of understand that isn't you know completely difficult to right. relate to. Yeah, very yeah. relatable. Yeah, yeah. No, she's a gem. She's salty. Yeah. Did you yeah. then later become like a, a senior assistant for her? Did that relationship evolve that way? Um, yeah, I, uh, I was taking classes with her for a year or so at a uh, couple times a week and practicing at home. And as that progressed, you know, she started seeing my interest and in knowing that my girlfriend and I were practicing at home alone. The other day she invited us to like some self-practice groups that were oh. just some other locals that lived in the area that practiced with her. Yeah. Um, so, nice. you know, next thing I know there's three to six people practicing in the morning at Beryl's mm. house and um, everybody's Brilliant. not everybody, but you know, Beryl's helping people and she's asking you to help her and, um, that was kind of like the beginning of my training, like how to adjust people and, you know, like 
practicing and hey come help me over here with mark chopper and a d do this do that right. okay cool and then going back to your mat and practicing and you know yeah, yeah it was cool it was good and then it, and then i uh, was invited to take one of her week-long courses that she teaches for trainings and um the next week after that and I took the course knowing that this was going to happen, but you know, the next week she went away for a week and I yeah. it was like the first you know time I taught like six or seven yoga classes. I taught, wow. I taught all the classes at her house that week and one at a local studio. And, uh, what yeah. year was that? 2001. Awesome. Yeah. I know. That's great. great. I remember teaching at the, I remember like going to the yoga studio and, you know, Beryl's popular. Like, yeah. The studio fits 40 mats and she had 40 people. I I went to that class. I used to practice up front and assist her and demonstrate or whatever she wanted. And, uh, you you get new walkouts? So I had to teach it. And all of a sudden, you know, there's like, there was only one woman who showed up. It's like, oh, Beryl's not teaching. And she just like, (laughs) I felt like Beryl doing that invitation just now. Actually, and, and, and like, the woman just stomped off and left, and then some other woman comes up and she's like, "Well, I'm glad there's a spot for me now." You know, it was, it was sold out. You know, it was like forty. Years. I had to like Great. teach my first class at a studio with like 40 people who showed up expecting Beryl. Wow. She, never, she never liked to tell anybody she was going away. Right. Because yeah. then they won't come. That's right. <laughs> like, you That's gotta exactly. go. So, you know, if I'm sending a teacher there to teach, I expect you to go. Yeah. Take that teacher's class. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So I taught my first class and that kind of started teaching. And obviously the relationship continued to build with Beryl. And I worked with her as like an administrative assistant and helped book workshops and interviews and, you know, things like that. Uh, Wow. Pack up and ship out her books and DVDs and things. Um, And then would you travel with her too? Yeah. Travel and teach and assist uh, workshops and trainings and Caribbean around the country. It was fun. Sweden. 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 Oh yeah, my goodness. I think you know, actually Anne Schardfeld. A lot of Swedes yeah, listen to the show. Awesome. She, I think you were one of her first teachers. I was, yeah. Yeah, in Sweden. Wow. Yeah, I yeah, think in Stockholm. Were, yeah. Yeah, Swordfield. Swordfield. Schwartfeld. Schwartfeld. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Stockholm. She's awesome. Hi, yeah. Anne. I'm Hi, sure she's Anne. listening because she loves yeah, you. Yeah, Anne. I got a shout yeah. out on your podcast, so here's your shout out on mine. Yeah. Hi, Anne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so nice though i mean it's it's really i think a special thing to have that like mentor mentee relationship with a teacher and you learn so much when you're able to uh, to like see how their business works see how they are in class outside of class you know yeah uh, learn adjustments learn how they teach you really like start to model yourself after them For but sure. then there also comes a time when you need to kind of step <clears throat> out and like develop your own style and your own ways and yeah and independence and that kind of progressed itself naturally as you know, yeah. Gina and I moved to Connecticut and started opening studios and mm-hmm. my, yeah and at what you, know, you had three children. studios at one point 
What's that? Yeah, start having more kids. You had three. Yeah. You had three studios at one point, or four. Um, four. Yeah. Wow. Now I think she's got six. Oh my god. Oh maybe my maybe one's closing, another new one's opening. I'm not sure anymore. I don't know how you have time to do yoga with six studios. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's must a be lot. Just like having six kids. It's a lot <laughs> just... easier than you know. It's not like they're. Even though there's six, they still run somewhat under the same umbrella. Right. And, you know, one and two become one and a quarter. You know, it's like. Sure. You have a team to manage across, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And the policies <laughs> still kind of go across the board. And the, right. But, you know, for me, and it worked out, I was able to go to India. You know, a lot of my stuff was just on the back end between accounting yes. and like books and the system that we put everything in mind body and all that kind of stuff you could do but, all that stuff online from india yeah, i was and, still doing it yeah. when i was there every trip i was there i had some involvement with what was happening in the studio. yeah that's that's very helpful yeah, it was and weird it's also, schedules, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but helpful to be <laughs> able to also write off your trips as a business expense when you go oh, to yeah, for sure. India. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talking about that, like, feeling rich when you're in India is, like, kicking back laptop yeah. with a cell phone that can project <laughs> hot spot and you're in the middle of nowhere and you're getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. Getting up early to do yoga and eating a bunch of really good food. Yeah, <laughs> hanging out with some. Yeah, so no, it was it was uh it was helpful for sure. It was a lot yeah. of work, but we were a good team that way. Like her, her passion and all of that was like the development of the programs and the mm-hmm. teacher training that she created, and like all of the workshops and just like she was really into the whole you know that whole studio side of it. I I wasn't yeah. so much. I was more into the. The administrative I'll fix side. The printer. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fix yeah. the printer. The <laughs> light bulb needs to be changed. Yeah. It'll work again. No, I think that's yeah. the hardest thing with having a studio, though, is managing all the people, like all the personalities of the teachers. And so then, of course, the more studios you have, the more people you have to manage. It can really take yeah, a lot of energy. Yeah, it, it's definitely nothing that I would ever want to do again. Um, right. <laughs> grateful for the experience. And I, yeah. um, I'm way more content and happy with mm. like what's happening for me now, you know, and the way things have kind of worked themselves out. Yeah. Um, and what are you doing now? You're running a program in Connecticut. Yeah. I, um, you came to Dimples. I did. I love Dimple Space. Oh my God, the pool shawl. Mm. Yeah, it's um. We love Dimple too. Hi, Dimple. Unique communities that I don't think there are that many of really. I mean, I know people have their studios and they have the you know and but this is just different because it's the same group of people pretty much. There's no drop-ins. You know the space. It's lovely and. It's just they're they're just such a beautiful group of women. There's a, a couple guys yeah. um, that come sometimes, <laughs> but yeah. uh, you know, you know. So I've been working with a lot of them now for many years. So it's just really um, a gift to go there. You know, I go, I'm down there four mornings a week early, and then amazing, um, kind of mirroring a, a similar thing across the street from my house. 
um, after, like when I leave there, I come back home and in this space across the street from my house, I've been uh, hijacking <laughs> <laughs> and uh, running a, a similar program with some of the students from the old yoga shala that um, I had for a little while. Amazing. Anyway, yeah, it's lovely. And then private. That's great. Yeah. But if someone more. wanted to drop in, they could like shoot you an email and find yeah. out where yeah, you're teaching. Yeah, that'd be the best thing to do for sure. The, the Greenwich thing, we're just not doing drop-ins, but... Um, yeah. But your other space, wanted. someone could yeah. drop into. Did yeah, you, for sure. Did you have any kind stuff. of relationship to the Joyce Yoga enterprise that was there for a couple of years? Um... I quit teaching when they moved here and went and practiced every day. Oh, okay. Yeah, when <laughs> when uh, Alaya and John Yeah, were, started were there, with John yeah. and then Alaya yeah, yeah. came in okay. and uh super excited that Dominic was around and Right, yeah. Um Yeah. It was was it nice for you to be able to like Nick, not Nick teach and just yeah, Nick. practice Nick. with It was with, you know, like that's I I think part of for me anyways with being a yoga teacher and like living in the community is is and, and maybe having a sense of ethics and stuff is you're not necessarily making all, like your friends out of your students and right. um it, i've practiced so much by myself for so many years i mean yeah i went to eddie's for a while when i was in the city but it was still just part-time i, I was never full-time in the city and um so to have it right in my backyard and i also wanted to support it i wasn't authorized at the time and i just really wanted to support what sony was trying to do and mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> having known her for years and stuff i just wanted to you know be a part of that and mm-hmm. uh, i found myself pretty quickly like not wanting to go teach and just wanting to go practice after dropping my kids off at school <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it only took like a couple of weeks for me to just to make the decisions like i'm definitely going to be a student right now and focus on that and um that did shift some of the relationships with some of my yoga students at the time because a lot of them went um to go practice with um with me there because I told everybody where I was going and they should come to yeah. and a lot of them did uh, Kathy King you know a mm-hmm. student of mine obviously mm-hmm. yeah. now is, uh, chilling in love with Aliyah which is beautiful um, yeah and Aliyah was there like what a gift like one mm-hmm. of my favorite teachers for sure mm-hmm. um, oh. helped me a lot do you feel like your practice um, like was it a really rich period for your practice were you feeling like you were growing and being nurtured and yeah compared yeah, to self-practice yeah um well yes and no like yeah I tell us. Like, i feel like self-practice has its perks and i was dedicated enough to do it and um there's just something really nice about being in a community and having those types of commitments too, because I think students don't just show up to practice. They show up because they told their friend they were getting you. Right. And the same person they practice next to you every day. And, and, and then the teacher and, you know, so you, you kind of just want to go and, and be a part of something. And mm-hmm. yeah. it was really nice to have that. Um, and, and definitely, I mean, I, you know, I was studying with a who's incredibly, incredibly capable himself and had a, 
I love, I really enjoy his teaching style. So it influenced me as a teacher, but it also, because I, I liked it, it helped me learn too. And, yeah. um, you know, he was the first to probably take me like traditionally into third and some of the little things that come with that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was just fun. And, and to have somebody who's just so incredibly capable physically, yeah. like who's had the experience of it. It was, it was, it was new for me. It was good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an amazing kind of experience when you're learning from someone who's like a very gifted practitioner themselves and you yeah. know, can just kind of whip out any posture they want whenever they yeah. want. And show it to you and, right and, there and, in the morning. And practitioner on many levels too, you know, like it was just yeah. really powerful to see his dedication to the other side of things you can learn in, in my story, you know, yeah, with, definitely. With chanting and, and, and yeah. Sanskrit and, you know, it was just yeah. Really cool. Yeah. It was great. Well, but well, now well. you're self-practicing again. What's, what's different for you? What's, how's that? Does it work? Yeah. Yeah. Self-practice is working. You know, I've, um, over the last few years, just, you know, getting a divorce and different things like that, you know, has went some of that, kind of appeared physically as injuries in my body and oh, wow. um, I've had to deal with some of that. And um, I lost a ton of weight getting divorced. It was so nice. <laughs> and like, then you gained it all back. <laughs> well, that's because I got married, but no, getting, but like I would recommend getting divorced to anybody if you want to lose some serious weight. <laughs> but yeah, be prepared to gain it all back is the only problem. That's, that's, that's hilarious. I'm trying to get people from A to B here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, self-practice is good. It's, you know, obviously not the same as the last time I was in Mysore, you know. Um, mm. But I've been really gaining, I guess, back some things that I've needed to, in, in my own physical practice, I think, just to even be healthy. I think COVID was rough, you know. Obviously, yeah. it, it, you know it's not necessarily easy for most people to see, but for me, I was like, Oh, I put on a little bit of weight too. Cool. <laughs> you know, but I, I, actually kind of cool. I was like, I'm excited about it though. You know, it was like, yeah. uh, cause I've always, it's just so thin, you know, my, my mom's yeah. always like, you gotta get something on the wrist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're like, always you know. so thin, Stan. Yeah, you're like a little still, skeleton I'm, boy. I mean, I'm still thin. <laughs> I still fit in the same pair of jeans. Like nothing's changed, but, um, I, I do. I, I do that. I feel like I've gotten stronger, like, and specifically maybe over the last couple months. Can you imagine right now going back? Like, um, I know they've opened up Mysore to seems insane to me that they're opening up India to travel. But can you imagine going back and studying in the in the new shala and putting some time in there now? Is that something that is on your radar? Um, you know. It's not really on my radar, like, immediately. It's not one of the first things I want to go do, no. Oh, it's not. Mm-hmm. I, um, yeah. I, I would love the opportunity to, like, go and practice every morning and under shot and, like, have that, like, but the rest of it all, like, I'm not sure, sure I really am interested in right now. Yeah. The, the rest there, would the be like leaving home, the travel, the getting there, the staying there for a month, the, the whole part of it, you know, like if I could just show up the, 
some magic portal and on my mat and practice every morning. <laughs> like open my eyes out of resting to like get and then go bed. back to work back in Connecticut afterward. Yeah, yeah, I'd be into that. Yeah, yeah, uh, but no, not right I now. Think it's, I also yeah, it's super hard. I feel. Yeah, it's, it's hard though. I know. I totally understand what you're saying when you have like children, you have family obligations, things going <clears throat> on with your children, you know, yeah. you don't necessarily. Yeah, too, I want to be here for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's things right. at home that you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really important. And it's, it makes this like exotic, you know, study, live work experience, something, especially when you've done it, you know, several times, mm -hmm. 12 oh, or 15 yeah. times or 10 times or eight times Nine, or seven yeah. times or Nine, however many, Nine. right? It makes I'd like it... to make that 10th trip. Just right. Yeah, make, <laughs> get your certification. Nine, make your 10th trip. Yeah, but it yeah, makes it no. seem less, it makes it seem kind of selfish almost to, to take your time away from from your obligations like it feels like it's against your dharma almost at a certain right now it is time yeah. in life right yeah yeah currently sure. that's definitely how i would describe it it's yeah um, and it's not to like, say never it's just like right now it's not in my dharma it's not in my flow yeah. it's not like and part of what i'm meant to do from the experience because it's, it's an amazing experience obviously we've done it enough to know that we want right. to keep doing it but yeah um, get yeah, those please yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can totally understand because that's I I would love I would love it too, but it's sort of like, well, <laughs> so much so much in in my current life would need to actually not exist or change drastically to make that happen. <laughs> yeah. I also feel and, like there's a bucket list of other things that are like kind of piling sure. up that I really want to go do too and yeah. Um, even even in India, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Know, so. Or how about Italy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Italy's yeah, in talking. Italy. That's what Italy. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. I want to find a great South Indian restaurant in Florence. <laughs> Firenze. Mm, yeah. uh, Italy is magnifico. I just want I to think go. I want some wine. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I was like, forget you Italy. I want some wine and pizza. Yeah, <laughs> I want a, a beautiful pizza. onion utapam in, nice in Rome. That's outfit, what I'm looking for. Good sunset. <laughs> exactly. That sounds nice. Beautiful woman. Oh, there you go. Beautiful, yeah, <laughs> beautiful woman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, with a, uh, uh, Italy. Yes, with a yeah. sambar I'll, I'll definitely in each go hand. And do all that right now and leave my life and all my obligations. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, no, no. It feels I, like you could kind of go do that for ten days though and be satisfied. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You Although I, I'm like, I'm, I'm secretly planning my next ski getaway. <laughs> ah, nice, <laughs> nice. A few solo trips this year to go Good. and. Escape out the powder. <laughs> yeah, you've got your son skiing now, right? He's yeah, finally he's, getting into uh, it. Yeah, he's loving it. We're going again tomorrow afternoon. Didn't he say something to you like after like five years? 
Like, Dad, why didn't you like, tell like, me this was fun? Game so fun. <laughs> he's like, what are you talking about? It's like, you got six years telling you how fun skiing is. Maybe never, start start with that. Open with the, you want to do this really fun thing with me? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I definitely told him. And I just not want to really push them to do something that I'm interested in. You know, I, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've taken him to Colorado. He's had the opportunities mm-hmm. to ski. And he was usually like, ski with me or hang with your grandparents. He's like, grandma's got chickens, you know. Like, right. yeah, it's, it's more fun to hang with grandma, you know. Um, Not no so more. Fun. Fun. <laughs> yeah, my, my daughter at that time was really into skiing, so she'd go with me. And my nice. older daughter would always, every time I'm in Colorado, she pretty much comes and visits because she lives nearby. Yeah. So she, she's really big into skiing and, it's fun. I, I'm looking forward to the day where I maybe like ski with all three of them. Yeah, yeah. that'd be really fun. Be yeah. nice. We'll make yeah. one of those like Instagram videos where we're like bouncing our heads and everybody else is doing the same thing. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, no I, whenever waiting, I think of you, care. yeah. Whenever <laughs> I think of you, Stan, you know, I always, I always think like you said at the beginning you know anyone who knows you knows how much you know you just have so much energy for children and mm-hmm. and so much patience and you're so good with them and you know i think back to the times when jediah was like you know little 22 month old boy and mysore and you're around. just yeah you know so best fun. buddies with him and really he blast. just oh he loved you so much and i think you know just your heart is so big and so open oh, and it's, thanks. it's just, you know, I'm so glad that, that you got your wish to be a dad to three beautiful children and yeah. are able to be there for them in all the ways that you are and thank will you. continue to be. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, thank They're you so much, Stan, for being on the show with us and telling us your story. And that was a bitchin' time. And thank you. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> we didn't get into your Thank whole you like how you've been vegetarian or vegan <clears throat> for you know the last 20 years but 25 years isn't there 30. that story 30 yeah. years yeah yeah but you know we'll save that for our next episode we'll do like All a special right. uh Fun. special vegan broadcast yeah vegan autism broadcast yeah that'd be good yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> i need i'm gonna need i need help figuring out my dad so it's gonna Next time we could talk about how to interact with autistic children, even if they're your parents. <laughs> That's the title. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your parents. It's just, you know, it's Christmas. And so like, I want to interact with my dad and connect. And he sends me a picture of a machine. It's like, Hey, I love you too. That's awesome. nice. Yeah. Well, I love you guys. Love, love you too. Have a wonderful new year. And thank you. You as well. Wishing you all the best for 2022. So before we go, just a quick reminder that the Finding Harmony Inner Circle membership will be open for enrollment until January 31st. Head on over to Harmony Slater 
www.finghermonyprograms.com to sign up, check out the show notes. You get special Finding Harmony episodes as well as weekly Mysore classes, a monthly Yoga Sutra study group, and a monthly Pranayama class, and a whole entire library of over 200 videos, pre-recorded classes, mantras, meditations that you can enjoy on your own time, and also a few special workshops as well. So I hope you'll join and become a member. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing